0: Welcome everybody to this week's RevOps podcast episode. I'm Alistair Wilcock, Chief Strategy Revenue Officer, joined here by my co-host, Howard Brown, founder and CEO of Revenue IO, who for over two decades now has been studying the science of conversations, behaviors, and connecting that back to how we actually produce revenue. And today, Howard and I are really excited to have our guest, Tim Girardi. Tim joins us as Director of Sales Operations from Trexon. Tim, wonderful to have you with us. How are you doing today?
1: Great, great. Thanks, Howard. Thanks, everyone. Thank you all for uh, having me here. Glad to be here today.
0: Now, now, Tim, I'd love to just start off. You know, Trexon is a company, you know, on the move. It's making a lot of changes, is, uh, you know, out there in the world today. You know, what, what's going on in the world of Trexon right now? And uh, tell me a little bit about it.
1: So, uh, so quite a bit. Uh, we, are, we are a very uh, fast-growing organization. Uh, Currently, uh, about uh, 200000000 million-plus in in revenue, and our focus is really around creating and developing ruggedized and heavy-duty wire and cable solutions for our customers, a wide array between aerospace and defense, steel mills, wood pulp paper, medical devices. Uh, A fun fact, uh, we have about uh, 40 feet of wire and cable that goes up on every single SpaceX satellite. Wow.
0: That's amazing. And as somebody, I was fortunate uh, just a couple of weeks weeks ago to be at the launch of Artemis, uh, which is the rocket that sent the Orion and is taking us back to the moon. So it sounds like you may have some connections in there as well.
1: Uh, A little bit, a little bit with SpaceX. Yes. Um, Yeah, that's uh, actually I wanted to go down and witness that as well. Hopefully you had a, a great time down there.
0: I did. I was front and center in Banana Creek, which is the viewing area with All the NASA folks and stuff like that, and Lockheed and others, and uh, it was wonderful. I will say it was like being—if—if if any of us have ever seen the launch of shuttles in the IMAX theater, and you get that big thumping sound, it's that times ten, and the sheer mm. light coming off of all this was was staggering. So
1: it, it is amazing. I've—I've uh, I've seen one live down at uh, down at Canaveral. It's—it's it's exactly as you described. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's brilliant. Well, listen, I'm so happy you're with us from Trexon. Um, It is uh, brilliant to have you. And, you know, somebody that has spent a career, you've been in sales ops and manufacturing. I think you've done it around the tech world with some SaaS companies. You've dabbled in the PE world. Today, I really want to dig into the idea of how do we repair sales ops? Yeah. And why why now? Like, what, what do we need to repair? So, You're somebody that's living this every day and you're in a company that's scaling and transitioning. So what are you repairing and where are you taking it and why?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So really what what I find as a fairly common theme, and again, this is whether it's tech, manufacturing, distribution, is folks think and drive system over process. Mm -hmm. And really it's the exact opposite of that. So what I mean is you bring in a CRM tool like Salesforce.com, for example, any CRM tool. And you think that by having the tool and the correct fields, page layouts, understanding how you're going to use it, that the tool is going to fix the underlying issue, whether it be pipeline management, forecasting, activity tracking, et cetera. But unless you have the underlying processes developed ahead of a CRM implementation, knowing how you're going to drive the system. I I equate it to you can buy a Bugatti, spend a million dollars on a Bugatti, but if you don't know how to drive it, you're never going to get it out of the garage and get the full potential, right? And that's what I've seen throughout my career is you have organizations that drive pockets of sales operations. Maybe it's financial analysis maybe it's sales process, maybe it's tools and systems, but they don't really bring it together. And where I come in, like what I've come in with Trexon and many other organizations before is to pull that together, create an organization that is centered around process and then works within the system to help understand how we're going to drive the car, how we're going to get the information that we need.
0: Yeah, and Howard, I think what I hear Tim saying there a lot the 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 people aspect of process and understanding that end to end is is what's well, gonna light it up, right? Uh, with everyone.
2: One hundred percent. I think Exactly. Tim, you you raised something that I've seen through my twenty-five years in tech. It's people think that suddenly by adding a piece of technology, they're magically going to solve not a problem but many problems. And in many cases, I find they don't even know the problem that they're trying to solve. They they they're, they're they've heard of a technology, it's making people better, it's helping, you know, revenue come in more, it's helping preserve, but they don't actually look at the processes of what they're actually trying to improve. And I think it's really really important and you encapsulated it perfectly. What you need to understand is what is the center of this activity of this improvement and we talk about sales what sales needs to do better is provide a better experience for the buyer yes at the end of the day we 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 can improve all the sales processes we want but if we don't think about the buyer and improving their process we're really not going to deliver on that goal
1: absolutely absolutely and 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 to that point um At Trexon today, we're kicking off um, customer first and everything that I do is always working backwards from the customer. So what I mean by that is let's take forecasting and pipeline management, for example. That has a direct correlation to impact the customer experience because once we get that process down and we are in a smooth cadence of running the management of our pipeline, producing a forecast, especially um, in the manufacturing space, and I can talk to that in a a minute too, if if we'd like to, it becomes imperative to drive information throughout the organization. What is it that we're looking to sell and produce? From the manufacturing side, it helps get into planning we're dealing with a lot of supply chain issues right now and if we don't effectively plan it affects that customer experience it becomes a differentiator Mm -hmm. from our competition when we start doing this very well
0: yeah it it reminds me of the parallel story it's an old one as an analogy but you know what innovated and created one of the greatest car companies in the world when Henry Ford figured out how to actually in-house Take the entire ecosystem of the supply chain and the manufacturing line and streamline it end to end. And what he did was he thought through, well, what are the roles that are needed to support a discrete task? So rather than everybody doing everything, it was suddenly, hey, here's a discrete task. Be really good at that task, and that some of those tasks takes everything from raw metals at one end and produces a Model T out the other end and I can revolutionize the industry. Right. Now I get that it's 2022 and maybe Model T Fords and that's not the best example in the world, but sales ops is kind of going through that renaissance of how do I think through these discrete tasks and roles, build a process around that that lines up to what you and Howard are talking about, which is the buyer journey. Yes. Connecting to the buyer and functionally driving us there. Do you see it that way? Tim and Howard, what do you think?
2: Yeah, one hundred percent. I before the before you got on, I was reading Trex on, and there was something that really caught my attention. Really resonates. It's constant innovation, continuous improvement. The challenges our customers face continue to evolve, and so do our solutions. We build and innovate for specialty applications to keep up with ever-changing demands. That encapsulates the exact problem that our revenue teams face today. We're talking about improving and constantly innovating, but we're not actually tooling our reps for that continuous improvement. We're throwing a phone at them. We're giving them a lot of data. We give them 17 different tools, but we're not actually helping them in the moment that matters when they're engaging with their customer. And I love that this is front and center on the website because that's it. That's our job is to build technology, to advance, to innovate, to continuously improve.
1: Absolutely, and and one thing that I would add to that. So, you know, talking about the, the repairing work, right? Pulling everything together. And a lot of what, what we're driving also is sales effectiveness. So we are working to understand. And we do this very closely with our with our reps to understand what are the tools that you need to be successful. What is it that you're hearing in the marketplace? Where are the gaps that we have today? And, and to your point, one of our one of our main focuses in Trexon, specifically on the industrial product side, is tooling up and building up our custom assembly. How do we how do we create more customized solutions for our customers? How do we really drive what they need in the marketplace? right? And for example, one of the things that we're doing is as part of the overall and enhancement of our tool set is we're bringing in CPQ. Hmm. We're gonna allow for our reps to do a lot more instantaneous quoting interaction with the customers and provide again that better experience right it's all about driving excellence with the customer and differentiating yourself from your competition and that's what we're working to do within sales operations and ultimately with our sales teams to drive that uh, to the end state with our customers
0: now before we jump from that tim i just want to double click because uh, i'm notorious for using acronyms on here all the time and it, and it sometimes trips people up but you know you just quickly glossed over what is a big part of what's going on in the industry right now the CPQ process yes so you know when people think about that the configure price quoting process right it is you know how we actually take a functional thing that we're selling and how do I provide optionality pricing accuracy all the way through the entirety of the process exactly can you just do a bit of a double click on that from the world of Trexon. I'm very interested in how you're doing that, but what are you precisely doing there? It's best you can share. That's that's innovative.
1: Absolutely. So we are from a uh, from a, a CPQ configure price quote perspective. We are completing our quote to cash process, and we are doing so by allowing our sales reps the ability to configure product, live with our customers within a certain amount of uh, constraints and variability. Um, also allow them to produce a, a direct quote right there with the customer as they're working live. So really the two fundamental components of the CPQ, the configure and the pricing, we're enabling our sales organization to drive much of that so we can be quicker to market, quicker to customer and ultimately quicker to deliver the product and solution that our customers need day in and day out.
0: Yeah. I I am very impressed by that, but I'm going to go old Gartner analyst on you here for a second as well. And, and <laughs> Sure. You know, and I think great, but what immediately pops to my head is awesome. You're doing that. But also anytime I give more things for a rep to do at the point of engagement at the point of there, like, it is great because you can, You can they're empowered, right? That's good. They hopefully can sell more. Absolutely, but they're often distracted. They're often bombarded. They're often then they're they're searching and trying to figure stuff out, and they're not actually listening. They're not actually engaging. They're not actually selling. They're now just doing. You know, and and, Mm -hmm. you know, think about that next step. You know, Howard, I'd love you to chime in here with Tim as well. Again, back to the seller. How do we? take what CPQ is really important, but where does CPQ go to ensure the right behavior, the right conversation, the right things are happening beyond just, well, let me configure that for you right now. Is that the right price? No, let me change it. Oh, okay, good. good, good." And and we're just jamming- Exactly. Basically fast discounting down people's throats, right?
1: Exactly. So what we're going to do is we are going to take it to a certain place, right? We are doing this today So in our ecosystem, it is very commonplace with what we are going to allow the reps to do on their own, but we are going to take it to a certain place where the rep is able to very confidently, very practically take a customizable solution that they can work with. And we're gonna define certain constraints that they're able to operate within. So what I mean is they may have um, a certain connector, a certain length of cable, right? That's the extent that we're going to give to our reps. If it's anything beyond that, we have a team that is going to be working in the back office and it's going to be, they're going to be supporting our reps to deliver on the overly complex. So we're not going to drive them into insanity by, all of these different options, so much variability, it's going to be very focused and anything outside of that lane, we're gonna to deliver to our engineering team and sales support functions on the back end to help drive that productivity with our reps.
2: Hey, I'm curious, uh, we, we don't have a lot of folks from manufacturing uh, on the show that often and uh, I'm excited to, to sort of get a sense of, mm-hmm. when you think about a sales organization and a sales team, what makes great people, what what makes people great in sales within manufacturing? It may be the same as in technology, but for a lot of our listeners, they, they may not be familiar with the manufacturing sector. What are the attributes of a great salesperson in something like manufacturing? And does it differ? Does it differ from a tech salesperson? It really
1: doesn't. So Having the the background where working, manufacturing, tech, distribution, varying, a wide array of different different spaces, what I would say is there's very little difference in the skill sets needed, in the approach needed. The main difference is understanding that on the tech side, specifically if you're dealing with a SaaS business, let's say, for example... You don't have the issues around managing the supply chain, the delivery issues in terms of time to manufacture, a bill of materials, for example. Whereas on the manufacturing side, even distribution to a certain extent, you have those issues that you have to grapple with. So what I would say is while the while the skill set is the same, the nuance comes in the solution set and the or the offerings that you're delivering to the customer and how quickly you can deliver that to the end user.
2: Mm, it sounds like it's even more complex in many ways because you have to be up to date on whatever current events are happening, not just the products and the customers, but you really have to understand, is there a supply chain issue with a particular module or component? That's a lot of information for our rep to know. So not only do they have to be experts at their craft and what they're doing, but now they need another source of data to be able to provide just in the moment when they're connecting with with their customers, that's that's pretty uh, that's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, and and what I'd say is that's where the back office comes into play. When you're dealing with this type of an organization, you know that's where strong communication from our purchasing team, from our operations team, you know this is where it's critical in any business, but really when you get into a manufacturing distribution business to understand the different levers that you have, right. And to understand what is happening in each lever. You know, for example, if we're looking at going back to a forecasting example, levers around backlog levers around incremental book and bill business, right. Book and, uh, incremental, uh, um, uh, shipment that is going to go out, right? All those different attributes are, are levers that can be pulled. And it's upon us to understand what, a, what are each of those levers, what's their capacity, um, where to, what's their current state, and communicating that out to the field, right? When we do that, then our reps are empowered with the knowledge and understanding of how supply chain issues are affecting our business and can effectively communicate that out to uh to their customers.
2: How do you communicate that to your reps?
1: That is one of the repair items that that we're working on uh, right now. So right now I would say um, communication is is something that is not necessarily a a huge issue, um, mostly done through email, but we're looking at different ways of how do we communicate out? How do we push communication out to the organization? It's something that we're, we're constantly evaluating and working on. It's something that, that my team is focused on in terms of what is the best approach to get the latest information out to the organization, whether it's a supply chain issue, a change into Salesforce, um, whatever it might be, because we all know we get bombarded with emails. Yeah. You are bombarded constantly with information. How do you know? I need to pay attention to that as opposed to something else.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're hitting us a key point, the prioritization of the information, right? Yep. The the readiness of the information. Because we all go numb to the, you know, the proverbial urgent news headline or the urgent this or that when they're just trying to sell, right? So you know, I would I would love us, you know, when you think of that context uh tim and howard and we think of the data deluge the sellers are under today and tim it's even higher and sounds like in the manufacturing sector yeah, how are we organizing that data how are we actually then presenting that in a way that makes it usable to what we started yeah which is supporting the seller to align to the buyer based on where they are yeah now unfortunately i'm gonna pause this though because we are out of time for today. So Tim, I'd love to have you back and dive into that data discussion, presentation discussion, and we'll we'll go forwards from there and see exactly how that works inside the manufacturing world. So I think that would be really interesting for our listeners to understand. Absolutely. But it's been wonderful to have you on today.
1: It's been, been a pleasure and uh, definitely, definitely like to continue the conversation with you guys. This has been great.
0: Thanks,
2: Tim. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Howard, Thanks everyone for listening in. And please, as always, don't forget to like and subscribe to the RevOps Podcast. Also use our dial-in number to leave your questions. And Howard and I would do our best always to answer those live on the air as well. You can reach us at 323 540 That's 323-540-4777. And uh, we will see you next time. We have uh, Tim back. Thanks so much, everyone.